Welcome to another episode of Disruptive Discussions with Ashley and Megan. If you're not willing to be uncomfortable, then you're not willing to change. Today we are going to talk about being an anti-racist and what that actually means. Oh good. You know, because lately, especially with the success and the impact of Dr. Ibram Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, people are starting to talk about the difference between not being racist and being an anti-racist. I've noticed that too. Um, And at first, I didn't think the difference was that important. You notice there are a lot of people who say, but I'm not racist. Without any action behind those words, then yeah, there is a noticeable difference. Not racist versus anti-racist. And I also think that when people think of racism, they usually think of the big events or times in history like slavery or the Jim Crow era or white supremacy groups like the KKK. And because they don't participate in these types of big events or overt actions, then it's easy to say, well, I'm not racist. Yeah, but it's more widespread than that. Uh, Because racist actions happen at a subtle level, just as it happens at a systemic level. And lately, it seems like the societal dialogue has shifted. So it's become more acceptable to talk about people in racist, sexist, homophobic, and other negative ways. And discrimination that, just 10 years ago, was a little hidden because it was wrapped up nicely as being politically correct, is now more overt. And a lot of that has to do with the systems that uphold those same beliefs. So people are more comfortable expressing their deep-seated prejudicial views. Yeah, exactly. And let's think about it this way. None of us are born racist or sexist or even homophobic, but over time we do form opinions that shape our values and the way we view people and ultimately treat people. So we end up with beliefs that aren't beneficial for us, and we don't see anything wrong with those beliefs, even if they are harmful to people and to our society. And especially these days, because it's starting to be called out by everyone, not just black and brown people, racism is becoming more stigmatized. So now, when people don't want to be labeled as racist, they look to justify their actions. But they don't want to label those actions as racism, because no one wants to be thought of as a bad person. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Do you have any examples of what you mean by that? Okay, yeah. So here's a couple of simple examples. Let's say that we're in an affluent neighborhood and seeing a brown or a black person, and then you begin to think, why are they here? That's racism. Because you're saying, you're not the kind of person that I expect to see here. Mm -hmm. Or another example, you're in the lobby of a hotel and assume that a young black teen took your phone when there's no reason or proof to lead you to that conclusion except that he's a young black teen. Or thinking that if a black or brown person is at an Ivy League school, there must have been some type of affirmative action in place. Just thinking that means you believe that they're not equally as intelligent or driven as people of another race. And here's my last example. Not getting interviews for jobs because your name sounds too ethnic. Did you know that there was a study that was conducted recently by Harvard, Stanford, and the University of Toronto that confirms when looking for employment, especially Asian and Black people, they have to whiten or de-ethnicize their name so that they can even receive a callback for an interview, unless it's a tech position. These are just a few examples of racism that are happening every day. People try to justify, but it's not justifiable. And not only is it discriminatory, 
but it keeps people at a disadvantage. A hard thing is noticing that these situations are just as harmful as the very obvious types of discrimination and racism that people are aware of. Yeah, and it's sad when the offender thinks that they have the right to demean others and behave in this way, you know? Well, I guess we can all claim our rights, so let me rephrase that and say, it's sad when people think it's okay that it doesn't diminish their morals or values when they treat people without humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to get back to the difference between being anti-racist versus not being racist. Okay. How can we simplify that for everyone? Well, let's let's look at it this simple way. Being an anti-racist is getting involved, using your voice. It's the difference between being passive and active. You can not be a racist, but passively watch racist actions and policies and practices around you. Or you can be anti-racist and be active in the fight against racism. Okay, so like, if someone witnesses a racial joke being made but doesn't speak up against it, that's passive. That's passive. Okay, but if they say, you know, that's racist, and here's why, and tell the person the impact of their joke, and that they won't tolerate it, then that's active. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because you're trying to change things. You're not willing to just sit silently and be uncomfortable. No, you're willing to risk something to make a change. And for me, I, I think some people are just uncomfortable accepting the truth of what's going on around them yeah. because a lot of times it's not hard to see. No, it's in every aspect of life. Our political systems, our criminal justice system, our housing system, lending system, education system, the disparities are everywhere. You just have to open your eyes. And your ears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This ties the component four of the Explore model um, to help you build emotional intelligence. You have to be willing to listen to the truths of others with your heart and your mind. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to accept that these discriminatory things, these racist actions, policies, they existed and they still exist. Yeah. And that's hard for people to accept. You know, I think about Germany and how they as a country, as a government have a deep sense of shame for the barbaric crimes that were committed by the Nazi party. They don't try to deny it. They don't make excuses for it. They don't try to say, well, that was a long time ago, so people should just get over it. Like, no, they have a conscious and responsible approach to teaching the truth, to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself. And of course, some people are ambivalent, but overall, they own their truth, and they listen to the pains of the people that experienced this and the trauma that's been passed down because of it. Exactly. The willingness to listen and the willingness to accept what you hear when it's proven to be the truth. Yeah. And you know what? I've got a story time for this one. So my aunt had an experience when she went to South Africa. She went to Robben Island in South Africa. That's where Nelson Mandela was imprisoned to a life sentence for conspiring to overthrow the state in their fight against apartheid. He spent 18 of his 27 years as a political prisoner there with over 3,000 other political prisoners. So on her tour there, she had the privilege of being led by a tour guide who was in prison with Nelson Mandela. They walked through the grounds and they even saw Mandela's cell. After they saw Mandela's cell, they were taken into a room and they started to have a conversation about apartheid and the impact that it had on whites versus non-whites. Okay. So the tour guide was happy to talk about his experience about how they treated him, which was very harsh. So one man, who was a white man, asked 
Why would the National Party, which was the all-white government, enforce racial segregation without cause? And the guide asked, what cause would there be that justified racial segregation and having a hierarchy of human beings? Mm -hmm. Then the guy said, well, it couldn't have been all whites. There must have been some other factors. And then the guide said, yes, it was all whites that were leaders and that created the laws to keep any people of color as subservient. And yes, it was all whites that were the guards that treated us in inhumane ways. And then he continued explaining his experience. So then the other guy comes back with another challenge to his story as though it wasn't truthful. The tour guide said, anything else you may have heard was propaganda. He lived his entire life with the racial segregation and white supremacy. There was always segregation. They forced black Africans to live in certain areas and even made it illegal for black Africans to work in certain jobs, which was their way of keeping non-white South Africans from rising to power, even though they were the majority of the population. Mm. And then the guy started speaking out again, but before he got his challenge fully out of his mouth, there was a woman that stood up who was also a white woman. She finally spoke up and she said, stop challenging him. He's telling you his experience and history backs it up. So instead of trying to figure out if we actually did treat black Africans as subservient people, listen to him and learn from the situation. See, that's being anti-racist. She spoke up. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there were others that were there thinking this doesn't feel good the way he's challenging the tour guide. And I'm sure the others felt it was wrong, but they sat there in their discomfort, you know? So uh, she spoke up and she told him to educate himself in the process. I love it. Yeah, me too. I love that she spoke up to her own and she said, enough. Okay, so let's get back to the seven steps of Explore. We talked about step two, exploration and introspection in our last podcast. And when it comes to being racist, people seem to be a little reluctant to really looking deep within to identify if they are a racist or not. Not the overt or systemic type of racism, but the individualized, subtle racist thoughts and actions that people have, like making snap judgments about people solely based on their race or ethnicity, making a stereotype like because someone is Asian, then they're good at math, or that all black women are angry, or that all Latinos have multiple children. You know, those are stereotypes that, even if they are true about a specific person, Making those assumptions about an entire ethnicity, well, that's being racist. Mm -hmm. Or if you ever ask someone questions about their race as though they're a spokesperson for everyone in their race, like any one race has a singular experience and everyone is alike. Or if you switch up the way you speak, your tone of voice, your body language or anything else and behave differently because you're around people of a different race or ethnicity, Mm -hmm. or you expect them to act like you. Or your daughter or son brings home a person of a different race that you're not fond of. How do you react? Or better yet, what's your first gut reaction? Do you feel uncomfortable? Do you question why they brought that person home? So these are subtle racist actions. So everything isn't a big event or an action. Or here's a hard one. What if your parents are always talking negatively about people of different races? So you've had those comments embedded into your psyche constantly. What do you do? If you do nothing and there's no action, you're perpetuating or actually holding up racism. And people don't often get that. 
You either have to actively fight the ideologies that have infiltrated your mind and eventually your heart, or you passively accept the messages you receive and they get into your heart and your mind. Right. Our society still sends racist messages every day through every medium we encounter. It's just so easy. Yeah, it's easy to listen to the rhetoric and either believe it or believe it's so much bigger than what you could ever impact. So you do nothing. Mm -hmm. And if you do nothing, you're aligning with the racist system, which impacts and impedes access to resources, equity, equal opportunities, and so much more. When you have family members who have toxic beliefs about people or another race, or you're in a social circle where people have toxic beliefs, if you're an anti-racist, you're standing up and speaking out against it. The best way to deal with racism is to talk about it. Being uncomfortable and not wanting to discuss race issues doesn't make it better. Yeah. The difference between being non-racist and being anti-racist is this. Being anti-racist is about action. Okay, so before we end, I want to bring up a point from Dr. Ibram Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. It's something I wholeheartedly believe. Racism and capitalism are inextricably linked because capitalism came about as an extension of the slave trade. Mm -hmm. And even though the slave trade was supported by the commercial system, that was upheld by individual people. It was individual people who went to war against the Confederacy and against slavery. So I don't want anyone to not realize the power of individual efforts. Individual racists create the policies that cause society-wide racism. These individual racists and their policies need to be challenged directly by anti-racists who can protest and vote them out. So let's wrap this up, Ashley. What are a few things that we can do? So there's four things to think about according to where you are on the racism scale. How can I overcome my racism? You can check that out in the resource folder. Number one, check your biases. Yeah. Don't try to justify them at all. Like, strip yourself naked and figure out who you are and the character that you have. Number two, once you notice them, pay attention to how to combat those thoughts and reactions. What's right? What's the right thing to do if you believe in simple humanity? Don't forget the step in the Explore model that says to listen. Educate yourself and engage in dialogue with people of different backgrounds. Ask about their experiences from a place of true desire to learn and support them. Mm-hmm. Number four, learn your tools to use your voice by first understanding existing languages and narratives that reinforce stereotypes, that reinforce a dominant culture, or that minimize inclusiveness. And understand why these reinforcements are harmful to others. Then build a counter narrative. What is it that we want to create? Yeah, and I want to add a number five to that. Okay. After you understand the harmful messages, plan on what to say so that you'll be heard. We know there are strategies for being heard. So we put some of those tools in the resource folder as well. I'd like to encourage everyone to check out those so you can be anti-racist. That's a great idea. And lastly, I'd like to also say it's not going to be comfortable in the beginning. Yeah. But just like everything else, you keep practicing. Keep grounded in humanity and knowing that all humanity has a right to be respected and live an equitable life.
Oh, 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 oh,